What is up, Fantasyland? We are back in the district, and week one has happened. A lot of narratives happening. Guys, this is the time of year where we separate the narratives. Where are we going with it? <laughs> I got to stop it, guys. I'm going to stop it. Sorry, man. We'll be back. We'll be right back. Actually, you know what? I can't stop it, so we're going to keep going. All right, guys. Apologize for that. Look, we got a big show tonight. We're just going to jump right into it. Basically, what I was getting at, this is a time of year we got to separate your net, your narrative coming into week one. Is it time to deviate from it? Is it time to kind of take a different road? Is it time to look at week one and react? You know, quickly, should you move guys? Should you go get guys, you know, by the dip, as we say? Is Aaron Rodgers by the dip? Is Elijah Mitchell the scenario where you're buying the rumor and selling the news. These are all strategies we're going to talk about tonight. It's week one. It's a new season, guys. There's been football on the field. How you react is how it's going to differentiate you from all your league mates. We're here to do it like we do every week, guys. No different. We bring in VIP guests, a high stakes legend tonight, guys, to talk about all these strategies. Let's get right into it, guys. Let's get into the goodness. Oh, yeah. Go district. <laughs> bleep a ball. Bleep a ball. Bleep a ball. Bleep, bleep ball. And I bleep a ball. Bleep a ball. It's the go district, y'all. A ball. Cause I bleep, bleep. All right, boys, we're going to get right into it. I got the week one jitters. I, I got the week one jitters. We got such a big show tonight. I'm pressing the wrong buttons. I got the, I'm starting at the wrong time. I got my wrong intro, but you know what, guys, like we do it every week, Dan, Theo, you guys are back from Vegas. I know you guys are ready for tonight. We got a huge guest, Dan. Before we get into it, dare I ask, how was Vegas? <laughs> Vegas was great. Uh, you know, how, how, how would Vegas ever be? It's always fun. Uh, you know, you just, there's so much to do. There's uh, so much going on. Uh, you know, the drafts are fantastic. Uh, just really enjoy uh, talking to all the, the high stakes players. I, you know, we compete against every year and, uh, you know, guys, I just really respect and and, uh, you know, just uh, the opportunity to kind of touch base with them. And, uh, you know, and, and the one thing that you really find out in Vegas is, uh, you know, everybody's in this whole industry is really a decent human being. Uh, you know, the, the high stakes guys, you know, just basically one and all uh, really super nice guys. When you get to know them in person, they're, you know, they're happy to talk with you. Uh, you know, they're, they're willing to meet new people and everything. So, uh, that's a ton of fun. And then of course the food, the entertainment in Vegas is always top notch. Uh, you know, all day at the sports book on Sunday, uh, you know, making a little money on the side, you know, having, having some fun. I, I had actually, I thought, um, a, a pretty set of terrible picks. Uh, Theo can probably attest to that. He looked at him and uh, yet I, I had the right parlay. So I somehow managed to make money off it anyway. So uh, it was fun. What about you, Theo? Oh, I had a blast. It's been like a, a kind of a whirlwind for me. because I did all the live drafts in New York city and then the live drafts in Vegas. So like the, the last two weekends were just, were just wild um, between the NFFC and the FFPC. Um, 
you know, I drafted a, a lot of teams and a lot of teams live. So it was, uh, it was a great experience. Uh, Dan and I got to draft the main event team. Um, we did two main event entries together. Um, one we did online uh, and one we got to draft live out in Vegas. Um, I'm bullish on both of our teams. It was a pleasure drafting with Dan. Um, and it was, it was great to, um, you know, see a lot of the people we interact with in the NFFC and the FFPC. Um, talk to some guys that are that I'm friendly with and some guys that I just enjoy competing against. Um, if anybody's ever thinking about going and drafting live, it, there's there's nothing better. So, yeah, it was awesome. And, um, you know, I'm glad we have uh, the NFL back. We've been talking about uh, draft stuff for, for months and months. And now we're on to actually analyzing games and situations and waiver wires and all that good stuff. So uh, I'm fired for tonight. Yeah, there's there's so much to talk about, guys, and that's you know, I, I mean, look, put it this way: the show can only go up from here, right? We already messed everything up you possibly can in an intro, but like you said, Theo, a, I'm glad you guys had a blast in Vegas. Yeah, super jealous. Uh, and every year that if I do miss it, uh, it's like something's missing, you know, th that time of year. So I'm glad you guys got to go out. I'm glad you guys got to hang out. And uh, and and from what I heard, you know, you guys got to meet a lot of of our audience, which is awesome. People coming up to you, telling you how much they love the show. And guys, check out the Dan and Theo dropped a quick uh, live feed from uh, live from Vegas while they were down there. Uh, you can check that out on the channel as well. So, guys, no further ado, man. We got to bring this man in. You know, we've been bringing in these high stake beasts to give you guys info that you're probably not hearing anywhere else, you know, tips, tricks, strategies, approaches, and this man, Mr. Matt Modica, welcome to the GOAT district, my friend, is no different. Hey guys, glad to be here tonight. Yeah, thanks for coming on, man. This is this is fantastic. You want to tell us a little bit about a uh, little bit about yourself and uh, you know what you've been doing in high stakes and all that. I know that uh, a lot of our listeners are familiar, uh, but I'm sure that there's some who are not familiar with your work and uh, would would like to find out a little more. Yes, uh, I mean I started basically in the high stakes with uh, fantasy baseball. So if you're uh, if anybody that doesn't know me that's watching and they see at CTN Baseball, why is he on a uh, football <laughs> podcast? But I've been heavily involved in uh, high stakes football for many years now. The last two, we just missed out, me and Andy Saxton, on uh, the, the primetime final. We were third overall last year, second in the Classic the year before that. And uh, the New York Super the year before that we won, so yeah, Matt's Matt's a very respected uh, player in the NFFC and also the NFBC. He's taken down a lot of big big prizes, um, and I think he's a very sharp guy. When you talk when you talk about players, he's not afraid to go against the grain, and and uh, it's a really great way to start off uh, the Goat District after after week one. Um, and, and really just get a chance to talk about some situation. Yeah, man, like, like I was trying to say in the intro is, is it's all about the narratives, right? Like we come into week one, we've kind of positioned our players, our rosters based on these narratives that we have coming in the week. And now it's like, how far are we going to deviate from that as things happen on the field? Right. And I think the guys that do it the best and, and you, you two are perfect examples of that are the ones that handle these situations the best that find those opportunities that don't knee jerk react to it 
right? And then maybe give away huge value or, or, or make a bad trade or whatever it is, maybe blow their wad on, on a waiver wire pick, you know, we might talk about tonight. But just th that's kind of, these are the little intricacies that, you know, those are the little edges you can gain over your league mates. And tonight's guest, I mean, combined with Dan and Theo and all the goodness, and guys, let's face it, there was a lot of goodness on the field this weekend. I mean, especially last night. So let's get into it. Uh, we lost our uh, guest just for a second. He was just having a bit of a, um, a sound issue. So we just asked him to, to you better there. Can you still Yes, have I'm back. It was actually my fault. I had my uh, Safari browser, I guess, open. So I was hearing that. And then I was hearing this. That's why I was like pausing to answer. Like yeah. I was hearing you and then other stuff was coming back on this side of my ear. So I apologize for that. I'm ready to rock and roll and uh, go over this fantastic week one. No need to apologize, man. I just messed up the biggest intro of, of the year, week one. So you're you're all good, man. I, I make everybody look better. I, I'm here to make everyone look better, man. That that's that's the deal. But guys, let's start in Dallas. I mean, we had some fireworks uh, on Thursday night. Great way to start the season. You know, obviously both ends of the ball uh, showing some serious firepower. But one guy that, you know, was maybe a bit of a disappointment, and Matt, as our guest, I'll go to you first. We we actually started touching on this before we press the big red button, but Zeke, is he still considered elite in your eyes or is he maybe more of a matchup play at this point? Uh, I mean, an honest question for me. And, you know, I'm always, if you follow me on Twitter, you, you know, I'm transparent. I put, I post my uh, graph paper of my drafts or boards and stuff like that. Uh, for me, I have zero Zeke. It's not that I think Ze Zeke is a terrible player and I could be completely wrong and that could look really bad. But uh, for me, I was going to go with, like, the, the high-end receivers or, you know, I, I think there's only a handful of possible high-end running backs. Obviously, CMC is, is the cheat code. But, you know, uh, a, a Dalvin Cook. I think Eckler, we could, I'm sure we'll touch on him later. But I, I think he could be one of those guys. Jonathan Taylor, to me, was always one of those guys, you know, just a couple things had to break his way. Looks like it might be a lot. But getting back on Zeke, I think he'll be fine. I think he's going to be good this year. I'm not saying he's not going to be good. He's not going to have some monster weeks. Uh, for me, I, I, I just think it's more of a – it's becoming more and more of a passing league every year. I think that's becoming evident. I think this Cowboy team is more of a passing team, number one. They have the weapons. Uh, I mean, with Cooper and Lamb, obviously – it was dictated in that game with the with the Bucks' fantastic run defense to throw the ball more and to and to play that you know horse race game with them. But for me, he's in the middle. I don't think he's an elite guy. I know I'm probably in the minority to say that, but you know that's what I believe, and I'm I'm not going to shy from that. But I think he's much better than a matchup guy. Dan, yeah. oh sorry, Theo, go ahead. Oh no, I was going to agree with Matt. I I don't I don't have any Zeke either. And it wasn't a disliking him thing, but in NFC, it was kind of like, you know, go with Tyreek Hill or Devontae Adams or Zeke. It was a no-brainer for me. And then, uh, you know, FFPC, you have, you know, Kelsey and Waller plus those those great wide receivers. So it, it was a guy who didn't really have exposure to. And I'll agree with Matt. I think that you just have to kind of pump the brakes on Zeke, you know, challenging for, uh, you know, RB2 overall or RB3 overall. I think based on the offense, based on, you know, how he should be utilized in games that are a favorite, um, which they should probably have a number of games where they're going to be a favorite. Um, I think he'll be a low-end RB1. 
I don't know if he's, his win rates are going to be great for the teams drafted him in the top five, but I don't think he's going to, he's going to sink you. Um, I wish Tony Pollard would get more work, but um, I think Zeke is going to continue to get enough that he's going to be a low-end RB1 type. Dan, anything to add? And I, I, I'm going to throw, we're getting some really good questions from the from the chat. Shout out to Famous Jay. So I'll throw some on there as, a, as we go around here. Dan, anything to add on the Dallas situation with Zeke? And then maybe we can touch on Famous Jay's question. How important is it to get off to a, a good start, you know, to win a tournament, especially the big tournaments? Like, obviously, he's referring to these high stakes tournaments, the big money leagues. Yeah, so on, on Zeke, I yeah, I don't really have much to add. Um, I got really all my exposure, which was underweight um, in the, the mid-stakes tourneys rather than in the high-stakes ones. Um, you know, I, I didn't want to come into the season with no Zeke whatsoever, but uh, I also didn't, didn't really – wasn't really feeling it in the high-stakes ones, so uh, I kind of left him alone there. And uh, to, to answer Famous Jay's question, how important is it for your team to get off to a good start for winning a tournament? Uh, I, a lot of times it can be super important. I mean, you know, if you happen to hit on the, the right waiver wire pick, you know, two, three, four weeks into the season, you know, maybe you can come back. But I mean, if you start off and you, you know, you score 90 points and, uh, you know, the, the leader of your, uh, your league has 180, you got a long way to go to make it up. Um, you know, it's not to say it can't be done, but you know, you're, you're, you're basically trying to gain ground on everybody or almost everybody. If you're sitting in the bottom of, uh, your, your particular league, and that's a tough place to come back from, you know, but if you can at least be middle of the pack, if not higher, uh, you know, you're probably off to a good enough start and, you know, and hopefully you've got the right players, but that's what, what it's really going to come down to is, do you have those players who can, uh, who can carry you week to week to week, or do you just have the guys who are kind of good every now and then? You got the guys who are just good every now and then. It's not going to be enough. Matt, what are your thoughts? Uh, obviously, with your experience in the high stakes world, what are your thoughts on on getting a good start? And that could even come from ba your baseball experience. Oh uh, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's imperative. Like Dan said, you're not out of it, and you could have just had a bad week, and next week you bounce back, and you score 213 points, and you're right there, middle of the pack. But you definitely, I don't really. At least the leagues I play in are more uh, points based, so I'm just I I'm geared on points. I'm looking at 170 is the baseline. I want to have at least 170 every week. And now, are you going to get that every week? No, but I mean, obviously, I want more. And you know, even in the league where I scored 200 points in one of my online champions, Dan scored 208, so I didn't even get first place for that. So <laughs> I mean, but I'm I'm right there. You you don't yeah. you're buried. It's not over. It's week one. And, you know, next week, you know, maybe you're facing the Falcons. You know, maybe, you know, who's, I, I forget off the top of my head who's, who's, who's playing Atlanta this week. I know Saquon's playing in week three, but I forget who's playing him this week. So, you know, Tampa, maybe you know, Tampa, Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay. Like, you know, Ronald Jones might actually, you know, have a good day, believe it or not. But, I mean, that offense going up against the, the, the Falcons. So, I, I do think it's imperative. It's not the end of the world. It's always better to start on a good foot. But I, I think you have to have – you have to know averages. Like, you're looking at an average score every week. So, 170, you really don't want to be under 150. That's what I look at. That's like the baseline. I don't want to be under – I know not all my teams are going to put 170 or more. But I really don't want to be under 150. Theo, since we're talking Tampa, Gronk, just, you know, having a Gronk type of uh, intro to the season – 
you know, we'll touch on AB a bit. I, I know Dan Dan is, was a big uh, AB guy going into the season, so I, I got to give him his props on that one. But talk about Gronk. We're, we're obviously playing in the FFPC tight end premium type leagues. Is he considered a an elite uh, player, an elite tight end now for you? Is he in, in that elite tier? Or is this one of those, you know, buy the hype, sell the news type of scenarios? I mean, Gronk doesn't look quite as athletic as he used to, but I think that it doesn't really matter. I think he's going to score enough to be to return as a you know a mid tight end one. Um, I think it's, he looks like a steal for early drafters, and you could see how the market shifted um, in the FFPC and the NFFC this past weekend after that Thursday night blow up game. Um, but I'm I'm buying Gronk. Um, OJ Howard looked completely um, completely behind him. OJ was used as a blocker, and that's a incredibly explosive offense and i think that if um gronk is going to see this this type of, of target share um i think it might not be a week to week type type blow up game but i think there will be a few more blow games and he'll have enough points at the end of the year to look like you know really one of the steals of the draft at the tight end position so i'm absolutely buying gronk Dan, do you want to gloat about AB or should I ask Matt uh, <laughs> if, if, if he's got any other yeah. truth or dare scenarios out there in, in yeah, Buckland? Now I got I got to take my victory lap real quick on both Gronk and AB because I, I was on them all <laughs> off season, uh, you know, and getting the cheap shares and just absolutely loving it. And when I saw it on on uh, Thursday night, I mean, you know, that was nothing was making me happier than uh, to to watch that going on and knowing. That both of them were going to go shoot at the draft boards, and I was already sitting there with shares that were quite a bit cheaper. So uh, that's that's a, a nice place to be sitting. Um, I'm sure I'm going to be wrong on a lot this year. Um, I've already been wrong on a few things, but uh, I'll, I'll I'll take the the victories like that where I can get them. Uh, how about you, Matt? What are your what are, what are your thoughts on those two guys? Uh, I I think you want everybody and anybody that's involved with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Obviously, the running back situation is the dicey part of it, but uh, that offense is just going to roll their their division. I mean, who's really going to challenge them? So I I think you have to be ecstatic if you got Gronk. I agree with everything you guys said. Uh, And also, too, it's part that the tight end, after the top portion of it, is really not that great. There's a couple of guys that can break out, but I mean, who does Gronk really have to beat there? Though he did go at like 310 in the in the first post Thursday night uh NFFC draft I did primetime, which that's a little crazy for me. I mean, I, yeah. I understand you're banking the 29 points. That's not even tight at premium. So, but yeah, so I'll, I'll go on board there. I it's the Bucks babies look really good and the Falcons are on tap. Yeah, yeah the price, absolutely. The price is huge there, right, Theo? Yeah, I mean, like, you know, I'll, I'll agree with Matt. Like, we saw some crazy th- – you see crazy things happen in Vegas because the the game happens Thursday night and people tilt out. <laughs> um, but Gronk went 310 in an NFFC primetime, and then he went at the 2-3 turn in a draft wow. I was in in, in, in a main event uh, FPC, um, which was, was was really crazy. A guy, a guy went with uh, – he went with Kelsey instead of McCaffrey at the one spot, and then he followed up with uh, Gronk at the at the two three turn. So, uh, you know, that was not, not not an ideal build in my in my opinion. But you see some wild wild stuff happen. So, um, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Some people like to burn money. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. 
Yeah. So we're talking we're talking about offenses that that we you know going back to the narratives that we were in you know you want to invest in the Bucks is, is kind of the no brainer that's become even more obvious. Tennessee was kind of a little different in the sense that they had, they had a really good season last year offensively. They bring in a piece like Julio. Um, now you know that offense just did not look good, like you know in, in any way this weekend. Now. Are, Matt, are you panicking on Tennessee? Is it, or is this some something you were invested in coming into the season? How are you approaching this? What's, what's your, is it truth or dare here with, with the Tennessee offense and and it being panic time? Uh, no, I'm I'm not panicking. So uh, I'm, I'm daring not to panic. I guess that would be the way I'd approach it. I'm invested in AJ Brown here. I, I think the passing game and and even the running game will get back on track. Arizona came out hot. They just rolled them, and they could just never catch up. The problem – look, uh, we talked about Zeke, Derrick Henry. I think Derrick Henry is one of the funnest guys to watch, one of the best NFL players. I mean, the guy's just a beast. But you're asking the guy coming off a 2,000-yard season to replicate that. I mean, he scored 17 touchdowns last year and 2,000 yards, and he was running back three. So that was another reason why I, I, I stayed away from that. He'll get his yards. He'll get his touchdowns. This offense, I mean, Julio will play better. AB will be better. But, you know, I think the game script is going to dictate they have to pass. They don't have a good defense. Yeah, yeah I, I think, think that's, they, that's oh, very ahead, fair. I, the, the defense is definitely going to dictate that they're going to have to pass. And uh, for that reason, I was out on Henry. Um during draft time, you know, that, that and his price, Matt went through that pretty well. Um, I think, you know, really what we're going to find out is how well can the new offensive coordinator adjust, uh, you know, pretty clearly uh, he didn't have answers in week one and it's really on him to start developing those answers pretty quickly uh, because if he doesn't, it's going to be a long season in Tennessee and it's going to be a long season for people who, uh, who bought, you know, Tennessee assets as, as somebody who's uh, heavy into AJB. Um, I'm certainly rooting for him to, to get it right. Uh, I know AJB is big enough talent that he's, you know, he's probably not going to sink me either way, but uh, you know, still it, you don't buy a guy like that at, uh, you know, at that spot in the draft to uh, just go out there and, and do okay. So what do you think, Theo? Yeah, I, I think, uh, I think this is kind of a, a mulligan game. Um, I think that the the Seattle game's in Seattle, but I think it'll be a little more indicative of of, of what Tennessee can do. Uh, I think the one concern was uh, Chandler Jones just abused their offensive line, um, and we're we're, u- we're used to seeing Tennessee block better than that. And I, I think that that's that's a kind of a you know a one off where guys can get five sacks and just kind of go nuts. I think Tennessee needs to be able to run to set up the play action to the to those wide receivers, and they weren't able to do that in catch up mode. So. I think uh, game two will be telling. Um, I think Seattle is probably a little better better matchup because I think they don't mind playing slower. Um, but Arizona, that man, that Arizona team, when they've got you down, they put so much pressure on you with that offense. So it's kind of like, uh, you know, that game, the wheels just just fell off. So I'm I'm not ready to abandon ship. Um, I'm, I'm I am also very heavy on AJ Brown. Um, he had a touchdown um, in a in a game that got blown out. So I'm I'm hopeful that he can continue that this weekend and. Uh, yeah, that was ugly, but I don't think it's a band ship time. And Vrabel called out Julio Jones really hard in the media. Julio had a really big penalty, a personal foul, and Vrabel basically threw him under the bus. Um, so 
I think that was kind of like a wake-up call type moment for them, and I think they'll come out well in, in Seattle. Matt, staying in the same division where, you know, we're not really seeing one dominating force right now, maybe the Houston Texans, uh, who would have thought, but is is this a scenario in Jacksonville where you'd be buying the receiving game and selling the running game, more specifically J-Rob? On this channel, we talked about J-Rob and, you know, kind of uh, that that very delicate floor that he offers the uncertainty that that offers there. So is this time to, to sell J Rob or, or what are your thoughts on this offense? Where's the, where's the truth or dare with Matt? Uh, I, I mean, the truth is probably to sell the running game here. And uh, look, if you're a J Rob owner, that was the best matchup of the year. You were at Houston on a fast track. against a terrible defense. And I mean, that was his game. And for Carlos Hyde to be that involved. And it looks like J-Rob's going to be more of the ETN guy than, you know, that back that was going to get all the touches with the rushes and the receptions. So that's got to be a bit uh, disconcerting. And he's a guy that went late second, early third in a lot of places. Maybe he fell back a little in the last week. But he was a pretty high asset. I mean, he was great last year. But I, I think this is a team that's going to be throwing a lot. I, I, Urban Meyer said they can't be a 51 uh, drop back team, but I don't see how the, you know, I don't really see most of the weeks. You just played the worst team in the league, everybody thought, and you had to throw the ball 50 times. You, you got better teams coming. Yeah, Damn, I, I, I think that's fair. I mean, you're talking, you know, maybe you won't be throwing it 50 times, but I bet they'll be throwing it 35 to 40 a lot. So uh, that's. That's going to be the the big issue. I think if you bought J Rob, I mean you you know you're you're kind of stuck right now. Um, hopefully you've got better answers on your roster that you can throw into your starting lineup, and just kind of wait for better days. I do think there will be you know a, a time where Hyde just either proves he doesn't have it anymore or wears down to the point where you know uh, Meyer decides to do something new. You know, so I I. I Still have a fair amount of hope that uh, J-Rob is going to come through a little bit more later in the year. But uh, for now, he's he's somebody I would be planning firmly on my bench and, uh, and starting somebody else if I've got the opportunity. Yeah, I think, I think he, uh, he's going to look like a bust at, um, at, at where he was drafted. I, there's, there's no nice way to say it. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think Urban Meyer has any loyalty to James Robinson. He showed you what he thought of him with the Travis Etienne pick. Um, he showed you what he thought of him this past weekend with Carlos Hyde um, out, out, you know, getting more more rushing attempts than him. Um, and it seems like they want to, you know, dump the ball off to Robinson occasionally. But they signed Duke Johnson right before the season. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if they get Duke involved a little bit, um, you know, further down the line as well to make it even more messed up. So, um, yeah, I have no faith in, in James Robinson this year. I think if you're a dynasty, um, you know, manager, um, and you can get top value for for Robinson after maybe a, a big game. I think you 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 dump him um, because I don't think Urban has has any loyalty to him, and I'm not sure Urban knows what he's doing. I think the wide receivers are good enough, um, and I think that Trevor Lawrence is good enough that there'll be some fantasy value with the passing game. But I don't have any faith in the in the running backs. Dan, you uh, you had a receiver out in L.A. Chargerland that. Uh that you were want to talk about tonight in regards to coming out party. Yeah. So uh, Mike Williams definitely had a little bit of a coming out party on uh, week one. Uh, 
So Matt, what do you what do you think about Williams? Is that uh, is that for real, or is that uh, just kind of a, a a really nice game? And you know, but don't put too much in it. No, I'm actually buying it. I I, I think there's a possibility this does stick. Uh, the thing was early on, like say end of July, early August, I was drafting a lot of Mike Williams, and Mike Williams popped up on an injury and stuff, and it's like you know here we go again. But I, I think, you know, they, they showed he was involved a lot. It wasn't just deep plays. He's always an end zone target. So I'm, I'm definitely buying this one. So truth on that for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm truth as well. I, I actually got to watch this entire game. Um, you know, thank you, NFL Game Pass. It was, mm-hmm. It's a, an amazing mention. So, um, yeah, it, they're, they're throwing him the low A dot looks. He's getting easy targets. He's a big body guy. We know he can get behind the defense and score in the red zone. Um, but he looked he looked really good on low A dot routes and and they're thrown into him and Herbert looked really really good. Um, he has Keenan Allen on the opposite side of him, um, taking all kinds of pressure away. He's going to get good matchups in, against the secondaries, um, and I think that that's an offense I'm buying. And and Mike Williams is certainly you know somewhere between a, a wide receiver two and a wide receiver three. But I think in, in most leagues he's he's a, a guy you're starting every single week right now and. Uh, I think this could be a really big year for him uh, heading into free agency. Dan, I was going to ask you exactly uh, about the running back situation there. Uh, what are your thoughts on on our boy ML and his question with regards to uh, the backfield? No, I, I think ML is right on. Uh, you know, Eckler didn't get a single target this past week, but I don't really put too much stock in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was function of the you know the game circumstances and. And, uh, you know, the, the nice thing that we did see out of Eckler was the goal line carry, uh, which we had not seen uh, hardly any of at all before. So if he's going to get those goal line carries and he's going to get those targets, and I do think he will get the targets, uh, yeah, Eckler is going to be a really nice buy that people are going to be very, very happy with. Uh, Matt, where are you at on that? Yeah, no, exactly. I think everything you said there, watching him get that goal line carry, I kept hearing how he never gets any goal line carries. The one thing in watching the parts of that game I did see is the – and I was a little surprised by it, but the Chargers wide receivers were open. Even even Bill, even uh, Bigfoot, Jared Cook, was running wide open. <laughs> it wasn't like you know he had to jump it off that game. When, when he got to the receivers open, you know, just you know keep throwing to them. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, a good point. Herbert Herbert talked about this. They I saw one an interview with him, and um, they asked him specifically about why they didn't dump it down to Eckler. And he says the game plan is always looking downfield, and then they'll dump it off when they have to. So I think that a lot of defenses are are going to be, you know, there's it's going to be it's going to be matchup specific. But Herbert's a good enough quarterback that if you're taking away the wide receivers, he'll have no problem giving you know Eckler. Uh, you know, a, a 10 target game. So I think that that'll, that'll, that'll happen naturally. It might not be a, a force fed thing. Um, like, you know, we might've expected, but like Dan said, if, if Eckler is seeing the goal line um, and, you know, he's seeing, he's seeing, uh, you know, all the red zone uh, rush, it seems like as well, um, then he's going to, he's going to blow up this year because that offense is going to score a lot of points. Mm-hmm. And that was a tough road game for them. Um, and they won it. Um, they're going to have a, a, some some matchups where they're going to be scoring in the 30s. Um, you know, before you know it. So um, I'm buying Eckler. I'm not worried about that game one. We all know that he's a fantastic receiver, and I think the receptions will come. Guys, right. and, and and Roundtree is uh, definitely looking like the backup there. So if you're in deeper leagues, mm-hmm. that's 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 the guy you want. 
that nice last pick in those FFPC best ball, Mr. Mm -hmm. Roundtree. Exactly. Uh, guys, sma smash the like right now uh, if you're liking what you're getting. And, um, you know, you guys saw me fumbling in the beginning, and I keep forgetting every show to mention this. If you're watching this or you're listening to this and you're, you're a techie, you're, you, know, you, know, you know how to edit videos or produce or do anything like that, uh, image, you know, image work, digital work, any of that stuff, uh, you know, we, we could use a, a, a bit of help here in the district. So reach out to me or Dan or, or Theo. And, uh, you know, maybe we can uh, get you a spot uh, on the team to, to help us out so that I don't keep fumbling those intros, Dan. <laughs> Anyways, guys, um, Dan, I wanted to ask you before we kind of go back to, to offensive fantasy again, because of the leagues, the high stakes leagues, uh, FFPC, you've got defenses there. You threw a tweet out today with regards to the Washington football team being an overrated defense. I wanted to ask you, was that specifically for week one or just you think in general this season especially in the early parts of the season that this is maybe uh, a, a defense that's overvalued i think it's a defense that's a little bit overvalued overall uh they had quite a few games last year where they gave up a lot of points and um you know that doesn't really help out a defense even fantasy wise you know even though sometimes you can have a fantasy defense that gives up a lot of points and yet they still score pretty well. And that did happen for Washington. That's not something that I like to really count on or, you know, it, to me, if you're giving up that many points, you're probably sooner or later, um, you know, going to go through a bad stretch where you're not scoring many fantasy points. I want, uh, you know, I want defenses from, teams that have good enough offenses to put pressure on the opposing offense and make them have to uh, step it up in the passing game, which is what then, you know, if the, if, if, if your team is playing with a lead, uh, then the other team has to pass, you can pin your ears back, you can rush the passer. Uh, you know, that's when the sacks, the interceptions, the, you know, the strip sacks, all that kind of stuff happens. And that's where you're starting to score your points right there. Uh, and I'm just not sure I see Washington in as good a, you know, I don't think they're a terrible defense, but I, I just don't see them as being one of those elite defenses where they were getting taken in uh, most of the drafts this weekend. Guys, yeah, I think there's a chance for a get a get right type game, um, you know, Thursday at home against New York. The Giants. Yeah, uh, that's right. Certainly, certainly struggled with Denver. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I don't I don't think that they'll like Washington was drafted like defense two or three. I don't think they're going to hit that, but I think they're, you know, they're good enough. There's a lot of individual talent on the defensive line. Um, and uh, yeah, there was Herbert. Herbert certainly had moments where he picked them apart um, in timely moments. So um, that was a little disappointing, but the Giants game could be a real get right game for them on Thursday. Yeah. I mean, I think they have the talent there. I think it's about getting the sacks and stuff and, and the turnovers, like I said, sometimes you're going to just – facing the Cowboys is, is going to be tough, you know, twice a year. Are, are the Eagles really for real? We'll see that. But, I mean, the Giants, this is a game Thursday night that, you know, this defense has to step up. And, look, I mean, I know the Chargers were on the road, but that was a tight game. Yes, Washington got lucky. I thought that was a horrible call. That wasn't a fumble in the end zone. You, you know, I don't know. Maybe I, I watched that and I was like, eh, whatever. But – you know, the Chargers are a good team. I think the Chargers are an underrated defense. I think after you get past this week, you, you know, uh, you know, outside of like facing 
the Chiefs and stuff, I, I, I think they got some talent there too. There, there was a late team, late defense I took, oh, you know, mm -hmm. a lot. So before we go to – I had a question up with, with Philly, and then I know, guys, we can talk about our Hurts at QB and, and the football guys. Uh, just going back to Washington real quick, grabbing a cold Heineke coming in uh, as a starter for, for this team. Hopefully he's back healthy and can start. Is is this sprucing up this offense? Is this, uh, Theo, a truth or dare with regards to uh, Heineke being good for this offense? I say dare. I think if he was, if he was better than Fitzpatrick, he would have been out in the preseason. Um, and I think that um, Heineke is a gamer. He's a guy that he played really well in the playoffs and down the stretch. Um, but I, I, I'm downgrading Washington offense with him. I think if you have, you know, McLaurin across the um, board, across the board, Theo. I, I certainly think the passing op options. Um, I, I take them down down slightly. Um, you know, McLaurin and, and Thomas looked like, you know, potential wide receiver, uh, a wide receiver one. I think that McLaurin, you treat him as a, a wide receiver two. And I think Thomas is, is a you know maybe a back end tight end one high 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 end tight end two. Um, Heineke is a gamer, but I don't think he's going to elevate the talent around him. Gibson uh, looked very promising, I thought. Um, I I think they'll they'll lean on the running game a little bit more with with Heineke. Um, but don't underestimate the fact that Fitzpatrick would have just Fitzpatrick had no problem forcing the issue, throwing the ball downfield, you know, doing whatever he had to do. Always, Fitzpatrick always has some fantasy goodness around him, um, based on you know, his his the way he plays. I don't know if Heineke's got the the gunslinger in him. I think it's going to be more of a, a, a controlled approach, and um, I think they're going to lean on their defense in the running game a little bit more with him. So I'm I'm going to say dare on on Heineke. Matt, do you agree with Theo or or our boy Casey with regards to maybe Logan Thomas? Uh, see, Logan Thomas is the guy. Logan Thomas, I think, will will eat tremendously with uh, with the change. He was going to do well. I I thought with Fitzmagic, but yeah. but I agree with Theo. He, he's a, he's a gunslinger. He's not afraid to throw the interception. That's part of his game. He's going to look good at times, and he's going to get burned by the interception. That's you know that's how he's made his bones in the NFL. That's why he's still around. He, you know, he's he's not timid. He's, so he's I, Jameis Winston with a beard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yes, an, an elder statesman. Uh, but I, I, I'll say it for this, you know, maybe for like real football, if the defense can step up, Gibson, you know, does his job. And maybe it's not that bad for them. I think, but like for the fantasy purposes, they do take a hit. But Logan Thomas is the one guy I, I think will not be affected. If anything, he, he, he might even get more of a boost. Dan, anything to add before we talk about the Eagles in the same division? Which, I mean, this, this division is fun as usual, right? No different this year. Exactly, yeah. Um, no, I, I guess I'm probably a little more bullish on Heineke, uh, but I, I kind of came into it. You know, I was a little bit of a Heineke truther, uh, you know, all offseason long. Uh, not that I necessarily didn't like Fitzpatrick, but, you know, when's the last time you saw Fitzpatrick start 16 games? So, you know, Heineke was somebody I was definitely grabbing in deep cleaves, grabbing in, in super flex, things like that. Uh, and I, I do agree that, you know, it, at least for the short term, he's going to be a downgrade in the passing game. Uh, you know, they're going to they're gonna be a little bit more cautious. They're going to have probably a little bit more, you know, just – conservative game plans. Uh, 
but uh, you know, I I guess I have at least some level of optimism that he might be able to still unlock McLaurin to the point where he's, you know, low end wide receiver one, high end wide receiver two, something like that. Uh, and Logan Thomas, I'm definitely buying, and I think this does nothing but help uh, Antonio Gibson probably. Other than if the offense can't maintain drives, that's going to be problems for Gibson. Matt, Philly was uh, some nice value this offseason with, with you know, people unsure about what Hurts would do in this offense and how it all come together. Some people saying, you know, obviously with the Watson Watson rumors and all the QB rumors, you think, oh, what are they in rebuild? Are they, you know, like there's all kinds of kind of uncertainty thrown out there. And it made for a lot of opportunity. And we got a question from our boy Casey. Hurts and, and that offense look good this, this weekend. Truth or, or dare right now, whether it's Hurst, uh, whether it's Hurst, whether it's Hurst or this offense, as we go into Week Two and beyond. See, this is this is the the beauty of Week One, where they faced the Falcons and it just looked terrific. Now you're home versus San Francisco. Oh, I, I mean, I, I want to say truth, but I'm going to go dare here. I I I, I want to see it happen against you know the Niners. Against the you know a real team, they just throttled Atlanta. I mean, Atlanta didn't to me didn't even put up a fight. I, I mean, I, I, Atlanta was still running the ball while they were getting they were down three touchdowns. Like, <laughs> it was like it's just it's just really like like what are you doing? You got I mean I I'm, I got Ridley in a couple of big spots and I'm like why are you mm-hmm. throwing? Yes. Mm-hmm. I, I I'll say this as much as I said there there I see the potential. Uh, I I just I want to. Remain a little calm after week one against the Falcons. This is going to be a nice matchup. I mean, Hertz goes in and Re- uh, Rieger and Smith and everybody does it again. Then they're for real. You know, so this is this is nice because they, they had the matchup in Atlanta. They took care of business, looked fantastic. How's it going to go in San Francisco? Yeah, I'm going to say I'm going to say truth. Because I think that um, Hertz, they're using him. They're using him well enough um, on those design rushes. I think he's going to keep returning value. Um, you know, if they're going to if they're going to give him, you know, ten or so rushing attempts every single game, I think he's going to um, he's going to keep it going. It's a very difficult matchup against San Francisco. I completely agree with Matt on that. Um, but I'm kind of bullish on Sirianni. He's got he's got like a, a presence to him on the sideline. The players seem to love Sirianni. And uh, they're they're utilizing the backs well. Um, I think Sanders and and uh, shout out to Matt who drafted the hell out of Kenny Gainwell <laughs> all, all summer long. Kenny Gainwell looks really good too. So um, I think that he's he's shown that uh, in Indianapolis he can maximize his backs, and uh, you know he certainly did that this weekend. Um, Devonta Smith looks really good. Both tight ends are healthy. Um, I, I don't know if I'm necessarily buying Rager, but I'm I'm certainly buying Smith. Um, and I think that offense is going to kind of surprise people a little bit, but um, yeah, I, I would be surprised if they if they get win against San Francisco. But I'm I'm a little more bullish on Philly than I thought I was going to be um, after seeing Atlanta looks absolutely horrible. Atlanta looked like one of the worst teams in the in the league. Um, they had two third down, uh, third and longs where they ran the ball. It was like they threw the white flag at home. Um, they had uh, Cordero Patterson getting. Um, you know, a first quarter rushing attempt. It's like, what, what are, what are you guys doing? It's, uh, I'm, I'm a little worried about uh, Ridley and Pitts, um, based on just, I think Matt Ryan kind of looks like dust, and um, 
Philly just just beat the wheels off them. Mm-hmm. I'm with you there. I'm, I, I was terrified. I was terrified. <laughs> I saw somebody on Twitter said something about uh, looked like uh, Arthur Smith and uh, uh, Matt Ryan had just met for the first time on the bus ride into the game. Yeah. <laughs> You know, that's I, I wish I remember who it was that said that, but uh, that's that's about exactly it. Uh, yeah, that was pretty bad. Uh, but the Atlanta defense we knew was going to be bad because, you know, Dean P's great coordinator, but it, it, his defense takes a while to, to put into place and he really needs more talent than uh, what he's got there. So I, I just I see uh, Atlanta. They're going to have to, you know, if they want to win any games at all, they're going to have to, you know, ramp up the pass game somehow. And uh, so hopefully they can find a way to do that and, uh, you know, get Pitts on track and get uh, Ridley on track at least and, you know, and then go from there. But, uh, yeah, those are those are really, you know, Pitts, Ridley, and those are, those are the guys I'm still most interested in in that offense. Yeah, uh, real quick. Yep. Just watching that first drive of the game where Atlanta, like, drove down the field. They got to, like, the five-yard line whatever. Ridley had, like, three receptions. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this is going to be awesome. Ridley's going to put up, like, a 30-point week. This is going to be a, you know, 30-something game. Both offenses are going to go off. And it was done, though, after that. They, got, they, they came back the second drive, had kicked, like, another field goal, and that was it. It was over. Their offense was done. I, I was – yeah, it was hard to watch. <laughs> There's no doubt. I, I think I think a few of us agree with with Kyle there with uh, Atlanta's options <laughs> in the in the rookie draft taking Pitts, and that's one of the reasons. You know, on top of just the obvious as rookie tight ends, but just that it was not somewhere I wanted to invest. So Kyle, appreciate that. Just real quick, guys. Casey asking, is Patterson worth a flex? Uh, feels like a trap. We had our trap show uh, with Noah uh, about a week ago. Anything on that, guys? It's a trap. I, I, yes. Everything about this offense. <laughs> don't 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 start. No, I mean, don't don't start Cordero Patterson in your flex. Right. Wayne Gallman. Wayne Gallman. Hopefully, will come in there and help that team out a bit. They, obviously, yeah. they signed them late. I think the Niners did him did him a did him a favor. It actually backfired with the with the Mozart in, uh, injury. But I think Atlanta was a perfect spot for him. Hopefully, he gets up to speed and he can help that offense out. Yeah, and I'm I'm going to give you guys because you're all listening. I'm going to give you the cheat code for uh, the Atlanta offense and um, and Matt Ryan in particular. All you need to do is just uh, DM me or JD and ask us if we are starting Matt Ryan in uh, one of Ever our dynasty again. leagues. <laughs> it's a super flex dynasty league, and every time we have started Matt Ryan in the super, in the flex, it's been brutal. To, it, it, it's, we're going to start him as often as we will Nicole Hardman, right, Dan? In the right. <laughs> just awful. I mean, I, 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 I wanted to like spike cut him after this week. Just you know, it's a super flex, so you can't. But oh my god, I just wanted to cut him. And Andrew Andrew Schellenberg and I started him in the uh, started him in our Rotoviz uh, uh, twelve fifty um, triflex league. And I think that Matt Ryan's going to be fun bench for uh, for Derek Carr this week. I, it was it was brutal. Cost us a win. Well, I mean, I think I think what we ha- you have to hope this week, if you're like me, you have really in a couple of spots, and you you or you invested in pits, is they have to cash in on the garbage time. Which I mean, Tampa Bay mm-hmm. is going to put you know this isn't going to be close. 
So it's you're gonna have to still be competing and you know throwing the ball, not running the ball, and putting up points. Because I mean, the garbage time points count just as much as the you know early game points, you know midway points. So you need those garbage time points this week. So, so just to kind of simple this down for 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 anyone you know watching that, like, are we buying this this offense like at a at a at a discount right now when we're talking about the main pieces in Ridley, or is this just like a like a fade now, or is this where are we in the truth or dare situation? For me, I personally just can't fade. If I can get a discount on Ridley, I mean, as much as I'm nervous, I don't have a choice now. I'm already invested, but as mm-hmm. an outside person. If somebody's coming to me and I can get a discounted price on a guy, I, I think Upsmith's too smart. And if Matt Ryan has anything left, they're just going to – just the abundance of targets he should get and his talent alone, you know. we Like I said, even when the game's a blow, he's gonna, he should be on the field. They're not going to be sitting him. Atlanta's not winning many games. So I, I, I think you got to buy the dip. Yeah, I would I would buy the dip on him, and I would also buy the dip on Pitts if people are worried. Pitts had eight, eight targets, um, you know, which we can talk about whatever we want. But if they're going to target Pitts eight eight to ten times a game, um, he's gonna he's gonna put up um, numbers. So yeah, I mean, we I'm very worried about the the offense, but Ridley should get enough targets, and he's a talented enough player that if somebody wants to abandon ship in a league where you can trade, I would absolutely um, you know take on Ridley if he can get a you know, 80 cents on the dollar type thing. Famous yeah. Jay just taking the dare, Dan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. I, I mean, I I don't like betting against guys like Ridley. So um, I, I would definitely grab him if I can take him at a discount. And if I own him, um, I'm just going to hang on and hope uh, hope they can turn it around. Um, but, yeah, Arthur, Arthur Smith is a good coach. I think uh, they are going to start getting more out of that offense. And, uh, you know, it, 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 it's a lot like, uh, you know, Tennessee, they had a really, really bad week, and it's time to see if they can come up with answers. I'm a lot more confident that Arthur Smith can come up with answers than I am, uh, you know, the new offensive coordinator in Tennessee can come up with answers. Guys, if you don't understand the rumor news, just just buy the red and sell the green. How about that? And it's very simple. A guy like Ridley, like Dan said, like these, you know, every every guy in the screen right now, this is a no-brainer. This is your opportunity to buy a guy that nobody was letting go of circa seven to nine days ago. Right? So Kyle Pitts, if you're like if you're like Theo and you're bullish, go buy Kyle Pitts. It's like I talked about, like I tried to talk about in the intro with the narratives. Like, is this pulling you away from your narrative or is this an opportunity for you to capitalize on that narrative now that that value maybe in, in the perception of fantasy land has gone down with what we've seen on the field from Atlanta? So it, this is this is exactly how you win your league, guys, is by taking advantage of the situations when you see them talking about red or green. Dan, I'll go back to you first talking green New York Jets, a little bit of hope with the coaching situation there. Looking at the backfield, I know Carter was a guy that especially in those best balls. Uh, going maybe light running back early and then smashing the receiver tight end position. Carter was a guy that, you know, we had often on our best ball teams. What's your thought on this, the, the, the backfield situation in New York and is there opportunity there? What's the truth or dare for Dan as he approaches this, this offense? I mean, I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with a little bit of truth here and that I'm, if I've got pieces of that backfield, um, I probably got them cheap enough that I'm going to continue to hold 
And if I see somebody drop uh, one of them on the waiver wire, at least uh, if if uh, Ty Johnson or uh, Michael Carter gets dropped on the waiver wire, I'll grab them. Tevin Coleman's probably going to be a little bit tougher, but, uh, you know, I guess if I can get him for a buck or something, I'd take it. But, um, you know, I think this is an offense that's kind of based loosely on the uh, San Francisco offense. They're looking for the same type of runners. And, uh, you know, I, I think probably – Ty Johnson and uh, Michael Carter are the ones that are going to fit that the best. But, you know, like I say, a little bit on the cheap side, so I don't mind hanging on to them for right now um, unless I see somebody who looks a lot more attractive that I would be willing to drop them for. What do you think, Matt? Yeah, I mean, it's one of these things where I kind of like the receiving pieces of the Jets, not really the running backs. The one running back I do like is Carter, like you guys are in on. And, you know, you, you saw him just drop as it became all, – all you heard in, in, like, the OTAs and leading up to the preseason games was how he was he was the guy in their backfield. And he has that pass-catching ability, which we all love in PPR. But until he becomes that guy, I mean, if you have him, I think you're just stashing him and it's one of those you got to be patient with. If somebody cuts him, that's when you got to pounce. And you got to have room on your bench, and you just that's what you got to bench for it. Stash a guy like that. I, I do think his time will come, but he's the really he's the one piece in that backfield that that I that I would be after. Otherwise, it's you know basically the uh, passing game for me for the Jets. Yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not particularly high on any of those running backs, um, but Michael Carter would be the one that I'd I'd want on my bench. I, it seems that. Um, it's it's a long season, and you know he has a decent profile that you at least expect him to get the opportunity down the line. Um, I don't think the Jets are a team that's going to win a lot of games. Um, they have New England coming into New York this week. I live on Long Island. I would love to see the Jets get that win, but I, I don't anticipate it. Um, I'm I'm not really buying anybody in that backfield, but I'll agree with Matt. If Michael Carter is somebody you have room for, I think he's got kind of the highest ceiling if given the opportunity. But right now, it's kind of a big pain because a number of guys are getting touches. Kevin Coleman's in for you know maybe half the game, um, so it's it's kind of it's kind of a, a pain pain in the butt backfield where nobody's really returning any value. Um, so I would say I would say dare at this point with some. Hope. Shout out to Kyle. He's he hopes everyone's enjoying themselves and and so do we guys. And if you are, please smash the the like button. That just helps the show, guys. It, it's your your way of saying we we like what we're getting. We appreciate the goodness. Uh, that's your way to support it. Uh, it takes literally a millisecond. Subscribe, obviously, so you keep getting the goodness, including the bloopers. I like to offer some bloopers every once in a while in, in the beginning of these shows just to keep it light and uh, <laughs> keep it entertaining. But um, guys in Buffalo. You know, obviously the the aerial game was was very appealing, and maybe I'll go back to you, Theo, first. The the running game, obviously, you know, Moss, Singletary, they bring in Breda. Is Singletary the piece you want in this offense? Truth or dare, Theo? So I'll I'll say I'll say as long as you understand your expectations, I'll say truth. Um, I think that um you know with Moss out of the way with an injury. I think Singletary is a guy you can put in the flex. Um, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not overwhelmed with him, but I, I think he's a he's a good enough player. Um, you know, if you're in a pinch at an RB two or a flex, you can you can use him. Um, I've always kind of liked Singletary, and 
Um, you know, we've always said that it would be easier to, to gauge that backfield if there's only one of them. So um, they had a disappointing loss week one to Pittsburgh, but, um, you know, Buffalo has Miami this week. Um, it's a it's a potential get-right game. Um, the offense is still got very talented players, and yeah, I, I don't I don't mind I don't mind Devin Singletary right there. Um, I'll say truth. I'll say truth as well. I mean, I'm a Bills fan, and originally when I started drafting, I thought Moss was going to be the guy this year. Uh, I quickly got off of that. He got hurt in camp and stuff. He missed a couple of weeks. But, I mean, the thing with Singletary is he does give that added dimension. But like you said, is it, it's not really one that you're targeting heavily, but if you have it and he's a guy you can play at moments, yes. Uh, I will say that fourth and one call in the fourth quarter at midfield is one of the worst play calls. I've, I, I, can't even, I, I, I don't even know what happened there. Like They tossed the ball eight yards back to Matt Brader. You got Josh Allen. You're, you're in a you know, nail-biter of a game, and the Steelers went down, scored a touchdown, blocked the punt, game over. Sorry about that. I tried to get that off my chest. <laughs> <laughs> it was mystifying to me as well. Uh, that was one of the games that uh, when I was watching in Vegas, it was it was on a screen that was very handy for me to see, and and uh, yeah, that was that was tough to watch. Uh, yeah, and and I'm I'm gonna go the same way as. Uh, as you guys, I think uh, Singletary is definitely the piece you want in this backfield. But, you know, if you're relying on him on a weekly basis, your team is probably in a little bit of trouble. So, uh, you know, you you want to look to move him into the role of I'm starting him when I have a buy, uh, not I'm having to start him into my flex all the time. Yeah, and I, I think the Bills will, will, will get right. Um, just getting back to the Bills. Um that Pittsburgh game was a little tricky, but the next three look like very winnable. Uh, it's it's actually kind of a big landmine game this weekend. Um, you know, at Miami, that should be that should be one of the better games of the week. Uh, Miami's got a little bit of juice after the win over New England, and um, you know, I, I still like the Bills to go in there and get that win. But uh, it'll be exciting. Yeah, it's a tough game. That's that's not going to be easy. It's 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 never easy when they have to fight, when they have to travel to Miami. So we'll yep. see. All right, guys. Let, let's let this might be the hottest uh, story yes. this week. It's uh, <laughs> you know Theo is going to be dropping some waiver wire goodness, guys, throughout the, this season, and this is definitely probably the hottest waiver wire topic this week. And I touched on it er- earlier in the show with regards to buying the rumor and selling the news. And Eliza Mitchell, like I said, is a guy you got super cheap. This is a seventh, sixth, or seventh round uh, draft rookie draft pick uh, for San Francisco. Just with the uncertainty and opportunity in that offense, it was a no-brainer when this guy was in drafts. Dan, I think you'll agree. Uh, if you were in a draft with me, I probably got him in his rookie draft. If you were in a best ball with me, I probably drafted him late just because it, it, he was a no-brainer. Now, this is where you have to decide what you're doing, guys, and this is what I want to know, truth or dare. Elijah Mitchell, you got him on your roster. You got him cheap. Is he is he taking you to the promised land, or is this time to sell the news. I wouldn't sell the news, no. Uh, and this is coming from a Trey Sermon owner. I have, uh, I have uh, multiple shares of Sherman. He's, he's a guy that I, I – here's the thing. Here, here's the process that I look at. It was like bidding on Tyson Williams last week and bidding on uh, Sony Michelle. The Tyson Williams was 
at the time, this was pro- this was the day before Gus Edwards got hurt. But I was looking to buy a piece of that Ravens, the Ravens backfield. It's one of the best backfields. You you know what Lamar that they're going to produce. He looked like he could be the pass catching guy there. Edwards got hurt, so that opportunity we'll see. I still think he's the one guy that actually can like like, like uh, has some juice as 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 was noted earlier in the show. So and with Sony Michelle. Uh, Henderson looked really good. He may have the bell cow. Can he hold the bell cow? I'm not sure, but I, I'd want to have Sony Michelle on my bench in 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 that offense because there might be an opportunity for that guy. So with, with Mitchell, if if you're looking to bid on him, you're bidding on the 49ers running game, which has been what third and fourth the last two years in fantasy. You know what Shanahan can do. So if you have Sermon. You should still be bidding on Mitchell, in my opinion, because now you have you can get both of those guys, and it may be frustrating at times, but hopefully it'll work itself out. Who's to say if you know if Trey Sermon gets a chance this week, he does, and he goes off, everybody's going to be like Trey Sermon's going to lead you to the promised land. But the way I'm looking at it, even on the teams that have Sermon, I'm going in on Mitchell because I want to have as much as that backfield. I, and like draft champions, I was I was taking Sermon. And Mozart, because I want that backfield. So it's how you're looking at things. Obviously, the question is how much. Would I bid 70, 90%? Absolutely not. It's the question is, is it 40 to 60%? Because that's what it's probably going to cost you this week on, on, on a guy like Mitchell. So I'm going to say Mitchell is better. The, the, his draft uh, pedigree or draft uh, description fits more like a Raheem Mozart type. But they did spend the third round pick, right, on uh, Sermon, whatever. He was a high draft yeah. pick. Yeah. Yep, yep, the third. Capital. And the GM and the coach want him to succeed. I don't care what they say about he was outworked or this or that. He's going to get the opportunity. So they want that guy to succeed. All of them. Like the Raiders want Henry Ruggs to succeed. Like they're going to give him every opportunity. So. I, I think you're going in on Mitchell, whether you have Sermon or not. That's the way I look at it. That's the way I'm going ahead. It's just you got to decide what's the comfort range for you on that price because it's going to be a hefty price tag. Yeah, I, I'd go with that. Um, you know, one one thing that uh, I think isn't necessarily well known out there is that um, his college offense actually was somewhat similar to what San Francisco is running. Uh, you know, so he's familiar with a lot of how that scheme works, like the, you know, and even like the pass protections and things like that, uh, or, you know, terminology is probably different, I would assume, but, uh, you know, similar concepts anyway for how they run the offense and uh, how they expect the running backs to perform in it. Uh, so that's a that's a nice little uh, bump in uh, Mitchell's favor, and you know he the guy just runs like his hair is on fire. Uh, you know, that, you know when you see that, uh, you know that's something that I always kind of gravitate towards. Uh, you know, so I'm I'm definitely in on Mitchell. I think uh, you know Matt's right. Uh, you don't want to be spending eighty percent of your fab on him or anything like that. Uh, you know, if somebody does, well, you know, good for you. Uh, welcome to him. You've got him. And uh, too bad you can't bid on anybody else the rest of the season. But, uh, you know, you've got your guy. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely going to be a little bit more uh, 
you know, I, I guess a little more judicious than that. But then I already have some shares uh, where I took them real late too. So uh, for me, I've, I've, I've already got exposure. So I, I will make sure that nobody else is going to get really cheap exposure, but I'm not going to go out there and just completely bust my wallet on uh, every week. Yeah, Dan makes a great point. Um, even if you don't believe in 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 Mitchell, uh, if you think somebody else in San Francisco is the play, um, you have to price check your league mates. Um, don't let somebody get, you know, Elijah Mitchell for 25%. You've got to put a price check in there. And I, I'm going to say truth. I think that Shanahan has shown in the past that he does not mind going with, with an unknown um, you know, we saw Alfred Morris take the job in Washington and run with it and have great success. We saw him use an undrafted uh, free agent um, who was uh, a guy who had been on a number of NFL teams who had the kind of speed that Mitchell possesses in Raheem Mostert. And Raheem Mostert was given every opportunity. Um, you know, he had the holdout situation. They brought him back. Um, he had, you know, every opportunity to get on there. So I think this is the kind of back um, that can kind of catch fire. Um, and I think that we sometimes are a little too judicious with our fab. I think you you have an optimistic uh, approach with it. If you want to go for it, go for it this week. Um, I think that the that the positives versus the negatives are something you have to weigh out. But I think that if it hits, you've got an RB2 for the next six weeks. Um, and that's something that's, that's hard to come across, um, you know, during the season that's a hard thing to come across and i also like the fact that a lot of guys that pop in week one um end up being some of the best um waiver wire picks up pickups of the year um you know you think back to the philip Lindsay's. um you know james robinson was a preseason waiver wire guy for a lot of guys mike but you davis. get those guys you mike davis was yeah the good call mike davis um mm -hmm. he right after cmc went down um you know he was a guy that people were getting um those guys stick and you you use your fab and you get them for for a number of games if you use a big fab bid in in week 10 you might only get that guy for a few games so i think it's worth a shot and i think he still looked great they gave him 19 carries um and he looked terrific running the ball and he also has receiving ability so we all think that offense is dynamic he looks like a guy who could could get the job I, I think he's the kind of guy you're very aggressive with this week. And even if you're even if you disagree with me, price check him. Uh, Dan, what would be a price check bid? And I'll Matt, this question for you. What would be a bid where you'd be comfortable with getting him um that is a number where you wouldn't want your, your league mates to be able to get him? Twenty five percent? Uh you asking me first? For, yeah, for me, yeah, I would have to I would put at least twenty five percent. I mean just even if even if Sermon becomes the guy or like the lead guy, he still has a Mozart's out for the year. He made the statement today. He's taking the season-ending surgery. Again, you're buying the San Francisco 49ers backfield. They have one of the best schedules. They have a fourth-place schedule. They have the best playoff schedule, hands down. When Trey Lance gets in there and he's quarterbacking that team, and that running game is going to be even that much better. So, like I said, you're only going to get a couple opportunities throughout the year, too. Like you say, mm -hmm. you want to be judicious. I get that. Some people, and maybe I'm a little more aggressive on the fab, but you got to look at it as if you got a shot in, say, week one or two to swing for the fence, or you hold out to week eight, 
you got that guy from, you know, week two. And at least you're taking an educated assumption. That's what you're buying opportunity. People are going to fail, but in the, it's still the optimal move because you're, you're going for the good offenses and the good run game. So 250, I think, is a minimal bid you have to put on him. If you get him for 250, it's not going to hurt you. You, know, yeah, you should definitely. still have at least a quarter, uh, three quarters, or at least half of your fab left after that. And yeah, let's face it, sorry, Dan, let's face it, these running backs in the San Francisco offense have a history, maybe the way that the offense runs, of being injured. So even if you don't, like you guys said, if you don't think that he's going to take over the role right away, that opportunity is going to come really quick, it, it, you know, chances are. Yeah, and, and when you're deciding how much you want to bid, I mean, you just really got to be team-specific. Uh, you know, you might have a team that has a huge hole at running back, and you may need to go heavy, heavy, heavy for him and make sure you get them, uh, you, you know, and if you really need them, uh, and you think he's going to be maker, you know, potential make or break for your season going over 60%, uh, shouldn't be a problem for you. If he, if you're just trying to check somebody, uh, 25 to 35%, you know, we'll just make sure that nobody's going to walk away with, with them for too cheap. Um, uh, and, even if I'm strong at running back, I wouldn't mind spending that much on uh, Mitchell because, I mean, we all know, uh, you know, what could happen <laughs> during the course of a fantasy season. Uh, you know, you can you you can be three or four deep at running back, and uh, two weeks later, you can be scratching for a single starter. Yeah, it's not it's not like the receiver position where they're you know you got you got options galore. If you if you get a stud running back that magically lands on your depth on the depth of your bench, I mean that's uh that's some serious goodness right there. Guys, Seattle, uh just to to go to another offense that was cooking this weekend, Russ was cooking. We love to say that if you're you're owning parts of this Seattle aerial assault, Matt. What was your narrative coming into the season and truth or dare right now with this offense uh, attacking in the air? Look, Russ the is a, yeah, Russ is a winner. Uh, I love that he was on with Peyton and Eli last night in the fourth quarter. He stayed on with them until overtime. I mean, he's class act. Guy's a winner. Uh, I say truth all the way on this. As long as you keep Pete Carroll out of the kitchen, you know, <laughs> they, they got the new offensive coordinator. It looks like, you know, the, everything is there. You saw it last year, and then, you know, it kind of spun out of control at the end. But, yeah, I'm I'm saying truth. I, I can have those two studs. Carson stays healthy. You got Everett there now. So, yeah, I'm in. That, that's that's a perfect analogy, Matt. That's such a perfect analogy. Keep me <laughs> out of the kitchen. You know, all, all the guy wants to do is just walk in, look at what's what you got cooking in your pot, and just dump a pound of salt in there. Um, <laughs> you know, and you're sitting there, you're going, ah, let's look, we'll put a little oregano, we're gonna put a little bit of basil in there, and Pete's like, no, salt, salt. <laughs> <laughs> The, the the cook and Dan coming out here on the on the stream tonight. <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 uh, I I hope that Russ keeps cooking. I don't know if he will or not, but I I certainly hope they keep him cooking because uh, you know that offense can be just fantastic if they let him keep doing what he does best. Theo, what do you think? Yeah, I think that um I'm I'm I'll say truth. Um, they they only ran 54 plays. Um, and they were just super efficient. I think that there's going to be, you know, a number of games coming up where they're going to have to 
play a little faster and, and have to go for it a little more. I think that offense certainly has the weapons, and, and, and Russ is a stud. Two stud receivers on the outside. We saw Gerald Everett from the end zone. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm truth on that offense, and I'm, I'm happy that I have some Tyler Lockett and some DK Metcalf. Dan, before we go, uh, or, or as we go to my uh, my Colts, who didn't look too too fantastic on the other side of, of the uh, the field there, Carson Wentz, uh, you, <laughs> I'll let you say it, man. Give us your thoughts on on, on Carson Wentz and and uh, what he did on the field, and what's your truth or dare? Yeah, so I, I want to find out what Matt thinks about this. But did did Wentz just forget wide receivers are eligible receivers, or? <laughs> Is he going to be fine once the rust wears off? Uh, where, where are you at on that? I, I thought it. I thought it was a great game. I mean, Jonathan Taylor looked fantastic, uh, keeping that trend from last year. Again, I think he's one of the best running backs if he's healthy. And even with Hines, I mean, it shows they both can play in that backfield now. Uh, yeah, I, I do think the wide receivers, the the Pittmans. I mean, Paris Campbell, I, I think at some point in time, will do something for this team. But I do think maybe as the season, look, he missed a lot of of camp with the injury, then the COVID. So, you know, I do think he's got to get back into it going. But I was very uh, intrigued with Jonathan Taylor. He was a guy I got on three big teams early. And then I was like, you know what, I got to kind of move away a little because I don't want to be overweight. You just can't be overweight on a player in uh, fantasy football because that one guy can just take you down. <laughs> yep. What do you think, Theo? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm very bullish on, on Taylor. I think Taylor's, you know, clear RB1. Um, you know, he, he continues to, to show ability as a pass catcher, um, and he's one of the best natural rushers in the league. Um, and, yeah, I, I, love, I love Hines. I think Hines is just um, – you know, I wish I had total exposure to Hines. Um, he's such a talented receiver, and and they, they use him. So um, I have some Pittman. I, I'd like to see a little more. Um, you know, the, the snaps are there, but they're not really throwing to him. Um, he uh, was a little disappointing. Um, so I'm, I'm looking for a turnaround game this weekend. Um, I'm uh, I'm a little pessimistic about the wide receivers, but yeah, if you have Taylor or Hines, you should feel very very good about things. And just to point out, uh, as per NFL.com, Mike Holtz, five seasons in a row with a different quarterback uh, starting week one, which is, you know, it's like having a different coach, right, for like a, a young quarterback or something like that. Haven't the coach lost like 15 or 16 season openers in a row or something like that? Some, Something like that. Some kind of craziness going on. The Colts have lost 11 of their last 12 week one games, eight straight. There you go, Mr. Matt, dropping the gun. I'm not trying to, I'm just, I remember hearing something they they, they haven't been good on week one. You can't handle the truth. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we can, we can definitely say JT is the truth. And uh, I think anything else in that offense is a dare. And you have uh, Matt Matt Stafford and the Rams coming into Indianapolis this week. So it's not going to get any easier. That's uh. That's a tough one for the Colts. Yep. All right, let's go to uh, Detroit. We, uh, you know, one guy, all all of us, I think, on this show, on the channel, big TJ Hawk fans, just uh, got way too many shares, especially tight end preems. Other than than Hawk, Swift, and Jay Dubs, uh, another one of Dan's favorites, Matt, I'll go to you first. 
is there anyone else on this roster you want a part of? Uh, no. I mean, maybe there's a receiver down the line that can show something. But right now, uh, these are the three. I have to give uh, Jamal Williams some props. You know, he turned it on to Swift. That report, like, see, that's why sometimes you got to put earmuffs on. It's like you have to decipher. And that report before the game from one of the beat writers or somebody close to the situation that it was going to be all Jamal Williams and Swift really wasn't going to play. But I, I think if you got Swift, and he was, he came in a value in, in a lot of leagues. He was going late fourth. I think I got him at 5-1 on a team. Uh, you got to be really encouraged because, I mean, first of all, if you want those targets and stuff, I mean, 11 of them, 11 rushes, that was week one against San Francisco. And it's a team that's going to be, you know, their game script is going to be coming from behind. So uh, I think Walter Hawkinson, you know, he looks like, you know, after, you know, the Wallers and the, the Kelsey's and Kittles, he looks like he's got the opportunity to move into that territory by year's end. Yeah, I don't, I don't want any wide receiver in Detroit, but if I, if you have Hawkinson or or Swift, you're feeling great. Uh, shout out to to Glenn Lowy, who's going to come on the Goat District, uh, you know, awesome, at the dude. end of the month or in October. Um, he he went pretty much all in on DeAndre Swift, so that's that's a great start for his fantasy teams, um, but. Those guys look great, and Jamal Williams looks like a very usable usable piece right now. So um, I do think that there's that we need to pump the brakes just a little bit because San Francisco got ahead so much that they were playing from behind for so long that I think the stats kind of got pumped up a little bit. But yeah, those guys look good, and um, they clearly um, the clearly the game plan is to get touches for all three of them. So um, I'm bullish on them, and for now completely fading the wide receivers and Tyrell Williams is out with a concussion and he would be probably the one wide receiver that I would have to throw in if you were a complete bind. So this weekend, definitely don't start any Detroit wide receivers. Yep. Fair enough. And, uh, you know, I, I was very happy to see Hawkinson go off. Uh, as you guys know, I've been, uh, you know, driving the Hawkinson hype train all off season. Uh, I, if you took, take a look at my player ownership, uh, you know he was an extremely important player to, uh, you know, my ROI this year. And uh, to see a week one like that certainly feels good. So hopefully that keeps going. I think it will. Uh, I'm, I'm saying these three are the truth. And, you know, again, anybody else in Detroit is probably a dare. So, uh, you know, keep, keep it up with uh, Hawkinson and Swift. Williams, I could see maybe fading off a little bit as the season goes along, but right now uh, he's a pretty tough guy to keep out of your starting lineup. Yeah, 20% FFPC, my Hawk ownership. And for me, anything over 20 is is, is high because I like to keep it spread like mm-hmm. the jam and the jelly. Uh, guys, OBJ is a guy that maybe people would were hoping <laughs> was a nice value at the receiver position uh, just with this offense in Cleveland showing really well last year. And I mean, no different in week one, but we didn't see OBJ. So I guess the question is truth or dare, Dan, and and this is something you brought up in the topics is OBJ. uh, Do you need to see it on the field or is this like the opportunity for you to just keep hodling on those OBJ shares? 
I, I need to see it on the field at this point. It's been long enough since we've seen OBJ really go off. I mean, he kind of showed some signs last year, but then, uh, you know, he, he gets an ACL, which is not an insignificant injury. I mean, we like to make light of the ACL and, oh, look at Adrian Peterson. He came back just fine. Well, you know, as we see ACL tear recoveries, Adrian Peterson is definitely much more of an outlier than he is, you know, like what you should be expecting. Uh, you know, so with with OBJ, I was already worried from his previous injuries before the ACL that uh, that might have sapped some of his explosiveness uh, and some of his jumping ability, you know, that, that made him what he was. And, uh, you know, I was taking him in, like in uh, when he was falling into the seventh, eighth round, things like that earlier on in the offseason. It got a little bit tougher once he started moving into the fifth and sixth round. Um, I, I don't have very much OBJ that high. And at this point, the, the shares I do have of OBJ are going to be planted firmly on my bench until I see a good game from him. Yeah, I agree. I, I think you have to, you know, wait and see. It's kind of disconcerting that he didn't get the, you know, he wasn't able to be out there for week one. And, you know, shout out to Jarvis Landry. That guy is just a football player. That guy can do everything. I mean, just uh, he catches everything. He can throw the ball. He can run the ball. I mean, if you like football and you don't like Jarvis Landry, I I don't know what what you think. So I'm with Dan on that. I think Dan nailed it. Yeah, I I actually – I'll go up to you guys. If OBJ is is active this week against Houston, I don't need to see anything. I mean, well, if he's if he's active against anybody, I think that the the Cleveland offense should, looks very improved, and I think all off season, you know, the the drum beats were, you know, this is going to be an OBJ season. Um, he wasn't able to play this past weekend, um, but I think that I'm I'm optimistic that that he's going to have some games this this week. If this injury lingers, you know, my tune will quickly change. But um, you know, if this was just a maintenance thing, and they and they wanted to be very careful with him. Um, then that's okay with me. Um, I have a lot of OBJ. Um, I, I, I drafted him and I, I plan on using him. Um, I think that, you know, with the, the downfield targets to Schwartz, um, you know, Baker, Baker looks good. He completed passes to a number of people, but I think when it comes down to it, that he's the alpha in that offense when he's there. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'll say, I'll say truth. I'm putting him in there when he's out there. I have the OB, I have OBJ shows too, so it's not that I don't like the guy. Uh, I will agree one thing. What you're saying here about like the Schwartz, the uh, just the air yards that guy got this week, which kind of like just crushed that whole Donovan Jones people hype because he was yeah you know it was supposed to be him, the guy Schwartz. So uh, I'm really not going to hold on to any like you know that 20th 19th round uh, Donovan Peoples Jones. But like you said, I guess like Houston and stuff, those are things you're going to have to start him. <laughs> yeah, Schwartz is, Schwartz, is, uh, Schwartz is fun. Um, I have him on some dime teams, but he's probably the fastest player in the NFL right now. The guy was like a 4-1-9-40 um, at his pro day, and he's very young as well. He's he's like 20, um, and he, he can fly. So they uh, – I, I respect the Browns for using a draft pick on him and, and getting him involved at the gate. Um, I'll assume that it was because OBJ was was hurt, but he was. I, I wrote about him in, in a waiver column today. He's an interesting guy to stash because, you know, they it seemed like he was part of the game plan. Um, and, if, and if his usage increases a little more, I mean, that guy can he can absolutely fly. 
Schwartz, yeah. Schwartz is kind of my Elijah Moore uh, of of the rookie receivers, just in the sense that where he was going, I mean, the opportunity the, the in that offense, you talk about people's Jones, he showed flashes, uh, but Schwartz was going, what, fourth round? Sometimes he's even further in those rookie yeah. drafts. So, again, you got he him. He got beat, beat up in Dynasty. People were yeah. people didn't love the profile in Dynasty. They looked at him kind of like a tutu Atwell type, um, like a specialist. But he looked a little more than that. And, and they're seeing an offense that maybe he's not passing the ball like we talked about. You know, they, they've got yeah. those two running backs there, so maybe that's not the appeal. But again, you're you're not drive guys. One thing to keep in mind, whether we, we're talking about the Carters or the Schwartz or the, you're not drafting rookies for week one, guys. If you are, you're just doing this shit wrong. And you you probably didn't have Akers, Gibson, and 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 JT to win you leagues last year like we did, right? Because you were impatient and you drafted these guys for the wrong reasons. Rookies are not going to win you week one, guys. Period. Look at both Moors. I mean, look at Elijah Moore and Rondell Moore. I mean, just look at, look how fast they looked. I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, Rondell Moore is probably going to take some time in, in that offense. I mean, Kirk was amazing what what he did. He totally surprised me there. AJ Green, I think, you know, his best days uh, are past him. And Elijah Moore, even though what, he had one catch for like minus three yards, you, you can see that at some point this guy's going to pay off dividends for you. So Elijah like, Moore, Elijah, yeah, I agree with you completely. Elijah Moore, like, he moves like a star. The guy looks so athletic. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that the, the, the big weeks are coming for, for Elijah Moore. Um, I, I, I think that he, he's going to be really, really good for the Jets. He was on the field a lot too. Yeah, absolutely. So it's no secret that we're big investors in the more and more. Uh, <laughs> what is it? Associates and associates, or something like that. Yeah, uh, guys, let, let's go from one offense that maybe isn't uh, known for passing the ball as often to one that is, and and maybe you know, making a stand this week in Week One against KC, but. When you look at KC, I think the biggest question coming in was 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 CE is CEH worth that you know mid to late second early third round pick that uh, we were getting him at this offseason? Matt, again as the guest, I'll go to you first. What are your thoughts? Truth or there or dare as CEH as a true RB one stud on your roster? Before I did any drafts, I thought I'd be heavily invested in him. I think I had one online championship share. Basically missed him the whole when we went live for the high stakes in a classic with Andy Saxon. We got him at three four, so that's a fourteen team league. We got him with the third pick in the fourth round, and I'm I'm being honest with you, I think he'll be good, but I regret that pick already because I, I just don't think he's the guy in this offense. He'll fall into good games and stuff, but this isn't like the old Andy Reid offense where you had the Westbrooks and stuff or the Shady McCoys, Patrick Mahomes, he'll improvise himself and he'll get it into the end zone or he's going to throw the ball down the field. And when you got Kelsey and Hill, why wouldn't you? And when you're as good as Mahomes, why wouldn't you? So I, I'm I'm going to say there. I, I, what, what, he, no, I'll say truth because I, I think he's becoming matchup dependent. And I think he's just on an offense that's too good that he will fall into good weeks. But I, I'm just being honest. I regret that taking him at three four in in a fourteen team league. Yeah, I think I think he's an RB two, um, just based on the offense he's in. But Mahomes doesn't check down. Mahomes is going to scramble around, look downfield. Um, 
So it kind of really limits, um, you know, CEH is, is running routes, but he's not getting targets. Um, but, uh, you know, it's too good an offense that one running back won't, won't put up some points. But, yeah, it's uh, you got to pump the brakes a little bit and understand what you have in CEH right now. I'm getting pelted by uh, some rain here, so I'll, I'll make this quick and pass this to you guys and then mute the mic. Green Bay, uh, you know, one of these situations, in my opinion, by that dip, as we like to say, again, if you had the narrative coming into the season that Rodgers was, you know, again, the offseason offered a lot of opportunities to Rodgers, let, <laughs> let's face it, and, and this whole Green Bay offense, especially in the air. But now week one even emphasizes that. So, Matt, you're giggling. I'll go to you first. Uh, truth or dare with, uh, you know, Green Bay being a nice buy right now after the week one disappointment. It has to be truth. Otherwise, you know, this really is the last dance game. You, you get you get Detroit coming in here. I mean, they were just humiliated, embarrassed on every level in that game. And they have too many good weapons. I mean, Aaron Jones is too good of a player. Rodgers. Uh, so I, I think the bounce back is coming. Getting the Lions. And I think the Lions, you're hoping for the same kind of thing. The Packers get up to that big lead. And they're, they're throwing those passes to Hawkinson and Swift and Williams for, for the comeback. So, yeah, I, I'd be surprised. I'd, I'd be surprised. I, I think there's just too much pride after that game. That was just a total – they would disrespect – I mean, I don't know. It was just a demoralizing loss that the two good players have to come back. Yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead, Dan. You I was going to say it's a get right, get right uh, a situation because it's Monday Night Football against an in division, uh, you know, team in, in Detroit. Um, you know, Adams and Jones were, you know, they, they didn't really even play the fourth quarter. They took Rodgers out of the game, a complete beatdown. Um, but I, I think they'll get it back together against Detroit. Now, if they come out and struggle against the Lions, um, then we've got serious issues in Green Bay. But I anticipate they'll turn it around this week. Yeah, I think if you think that Aaron Rodgers is going to, you know, mail it in on Monday night, um, you probably need to rethink, uh, you know, how much money you're spending on fantasy football. Um, and then also, I think, uh, you know, the Green Bay offensive line was a, a little bit beat up. And New Orleans defensive line is better, I think, than uh, we were giving them credit for. I mean, they had some problems in their secondary, uh, but they certainly don't have problems on the line. And they were they were just you know absolutely abusing Green Bay the entire way and uh, you know and then they got up early on on them uh, in the scoreboard and that really kind of made Green Bay a lot more one dimensional and it just wasn't working out I mean it was just kind of a a big cascade it seemed to me like and uh, this is coming from somebody who uh, my my lock of the week was. Green Bay minus three over uh, New Orleans. I was just absolutely <laughs> sure that was going to be, uh, you know. So, uh, but uh, you know, that's that's how I see it anyway. I, th I think uh, I think we're going to see Green Bay come roaring back this week. Uh, you know, whether they continue to be a fantastic offense like they were last year, that might be a little bit more of a stretch. But uh, I, I think they're going to be a very good offense the rest of the way. And if you if you can get any Green Bay pieces. Uh, for any kind of a discount, I'd be doing it. Agreed. Uh, on the other side of the ball, 
the the unexpected domination of Mr. Jameis Winston. Uh, you know, his coming out party per se. Matt, I'll go back to you as, as our guest. Are, are you buying this truth or dare with, with Jameis Winston uh, dominating the NFL this season? I mean, before I say anything, the guy had five touchdown passes with under 150 yards passing. That's that's an insane stat line. Uh, am I, I'm buying Jameis in a fantasy sense more than a reality sense. So uh, I, I do think you're still going to see bad Jameis. I know he was groomed under Breeze last year. I'm rooting for Jameis. I always kind of liked him, you know. But I'm I'm not saying – I think we're all getting – some people are getting a little over their skis on him right now. I do think the one guy, if you could get on the cheap in this offense, is, Mar- is uh, Marcus Callaway. He was clearly their number one receiver. Didn't have that line. Faced the best uh, cornerback there. But he ran all the routes. So he's their number one receiver. So if you're trying to get a little, you get something on the cheap, get a good deal for yourself. Maybe I invest there. Sounds good, Theo. Yeah, I, I'm. You know, Winston had like like Matty. He had 20, 20 passing attempts and uh, you know threw a bunch of touchdowns. It was a you know a perfect start for the Saints. Um, if it was a super flex league, yeah, I'm throwing Jameis out there. I'd have trouble streaming him. Um, against that Carolina defense this weekend, uh, if you're if you're streaming quarterbacks this year, um, you know, I would I would hesitate to do that. Um, I am I am optimistic about you know how how Kamara is going to be with him. Uh, they clearly look like they're it's it's complete game plan for Kamara. Um, and I will agree, you know, Callaway was you know had by far the most routes run. Um, you know, had by far the most. You know, he's got he's an air yards guy. And I think that that big game is going to come uh, for Callaway. So if anybody in your league, you know, by any chance, you know, if you're in a home league where maybe he's dropped, um, then you know you need to pounce on him. Yep, agreed. I, I'm, you know, I, I think it's going to be awfully fun to watch. Uh, you know, Jameis playing against Tampa Bay a couple times this year. <laughs> uh, you know, that's 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 something I'm definitely looking forward to. But uh, it, yeah, I, th- I thought Davis looked real good. I mean, he did have one boneheaded throw into the end zone where he got kind of bailed out a little bit. But uh, you know, it should have been an interception. But that's you know, he he, he overall looked very very good. Uh, took care of the ball pretty well for the most part. Uh, so I'm I like what he's done, and I think he did enough this week to uh, keep. Taysom firmly in that gadget player role and you know he would have to have a you know probably at this point a couple bad weeks before we'd really have to worry about uh, Taysom coming out and taking the quarterback job. Matt uh, Gruden today saying that uh, Waller's the best player he's ever coached out there in Las Vegas last night I think he started one for seven uh, with regards to targets and then kind of gave you all the money you needed to to, to squeeze that win uh, if you, you invested highly in him in those first few rounds, especially in the tight end preems, is Waller now the tight end one? Matt, are you you buying that or are you, you selling that? Uh, I mean, I think he's right there. I mean, I'm, I mean, Kelsey's just the beast and he's got Mahomes, but 19 targets. I mean, they weren't even efficient on those targets. I think he was no. like 10 of 19. And <laughs> look, they just keep going to him. It's like they don't care. It's either him, Renfro, and at the end of the, I think the most encouraging thing was in the second half, 
And then the end of the game into overtime, we're seeing Ruggs make that catch down the sideline, and then Edwards step up. If those two guys can get more involved, you, you just – I mean, Waller's going to be even more of a threat. I mean, if, if they can put something deep there, I mean, him him over the seam, over the middle is just going to be – so is he the number one? I, I, I think he's kind of right there with Kelsey. But, I mean, Kelsey's just a beast, and he's got my home. So I, I, I can't dethrone him yet, put it that way. Fair, fair enough. Um, you know, and I am definitely big on Waller. Uh, I'll put it this way. In uh, one of our high-stakes dynasty leagues, uh, Austin Martin was trying to get Waller from me. And uh, at, at the end of our negotiations, which ended up with me retaining Waller, he said, you know, I, I thought – at the start of this, I was a Waller fan. He goes, now I'm not even sure anymore. Um, <laughs> so that, that's where I'm at on Waller. Uh, I, I think the guy looks just fantastic. And, you know, uh, you know, what a, what a fun story to root for. Um, you know, mm-hmm. all that, all that's on the side for fantasy football. I mean, we, we need results, but, uh, you know, he, he is a very fun guy to root for. And, uh Boy, he's he's just absolutely the the straw that stirs the drink in uh, in Las Vegas, and I, I think Matt was exactly right. You know, if he can get a little help from his wide receivers there, uh, that could make him even more efficient. So, Theo, thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's it's a it's it's a one A and a one B right now. Uh, Kelsey, you know, the check goes to Kelsey for me because he's got the better quarterback and the more efficient offense. I think every now and then you'll run into a game where cars, the wheels are going to fall off for car, and maybe the whole offense takes a step back. But I mean, Waller is going to be, you know, either the number one or number two tight end in, in the amount of targets he's going to receive on the year. He's a fantastic talent. Um, you know, I think teams that drafted him, like Dan and I in the main event, are going to going to win a lot, uh, win a lot of fancy games this year just on that single pick. Uh, the win rates are going to be great. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, as the storms come a fallen up here north of the border, and uh, I mean, we've done a buck 40 with our with our boy, Matt. He's been extremely generous. So smash the like button, guys. Awesome questions from the chat comments. We appreciate you guys hanging with us tonight. Uh, Matt, as as we close this out, a remind the peeps where they can find you any goodness you want to plug or promote you have coming out. And maybe just touch on one more situation. Akers was a guy similar to JT and Gibby that people are really high on coming in. Unfortunately, gets hurt. Is is Hendo the workhorse? I guess is the the last truth or dare uh, that I'll that I'll ask you guys to to answer before we uh, close this bad boy out. Oh, uh, I mean, well, just getting back to that process question I I posed earlier and how I want to buy opportunity in backfield. I I, I, I thought Henderson was very talented. Akers went down. Everybody loved Henderson. Everybody's like, okay. All the people that were taking him in the 10th, 11th round were like, okay, we, we got a great deal. I believe in the talent. I'm just not sure if he's a workhorse. And I don't think that maybe they want to use him that over the course of 17 weeks. So, I mean, I would still be interested in Sony Michelle. That said, if you have Henderson, I think you got a tremendous value in the seventh round or so. And he's a guy I want to ride because I do believe he's talented. So, yeah, I mean, I, I could buy it, but I think he has to prove the durability. Injury has something he's always kind of had problems with. And you want to check me out, I'm at CTM Baseball on Twitter. 
Uh, right now, just doing some freelance stuff. So I either pop on the podcast or you might see me in print here or there. You can find that at, at my Twitter handle. And thank you guys for having me on. It's been a blast. Oh, it's our Pre- pleasure. Yeah, I appreciate you, Matt, uh, for all the goodness and, and all your time. Theo, I'm going to mute myself real quick. Uh, yeah, I totally fucked up the intro. But I think that the goodness, the amount of goodness that was dropped on this buck 40 was definitely worth it and hopefully made it up uh, for our fans. Remind the people, you have a couple things. Uh, you dropped a serious article today, a must-read for the waiver wire. You're going to be dropping some waiver wire goodness for us here on on the channel as we go through the season and remind them of anything else you do before we close this out. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm writing the waiver wire column for Player Profiler this year. Um, so you can find my writing there. Um, you know, that's going to drop every Monday or Tuesday. Uh, and then we have a waiver wire uh, pod that we're going to be dropping starting next week, most likely. Uh, Vegas uh, kind of got that off the rails, but it's going to most likely be Mondays or, or Tuesdays during the day. Just a quick pod going over the, the waiver wire for the week. Um, so look out for that on the GOAT district as well. Um, and then you can find me on Twitter uh, at the OG Fantasy. And you can find me in here in the GOAT district every week uh, talking football. Uh, we've got some awesome guests lined up, very much like Matt. Um, we're going to be bringing you, um, you know, some, some really, really good takes. And, um, you know, we'll continue uh, bringing you the goodness all season long. Dan, you uh, give your thoughts on, on that L.A. backfield situation and uh, close the goodness. And, guys, just, just remember, man, make sure you're following Theo, Dan, Matt, like the amount of goodness these guys drop is is just is what you need to get to the next level to get those w's uh to take you to the playoffs yeah so just a final thought on henderson uh you know i i thought it was really weird um over this last few days of high stakes drafts that somehow uh, sony michelle was actually leapfrogging him in some cases uh, that we saw in Vegas. I don't know what you were seeing online, Matt, but uh, in Vegas, we were, we were seeing Michelle going in front of Henderson sometimes. And, and, and that was just baffling to me. Uh, you know, I, I, I get the advantage or the, you know, the opportunity that, uh, that Michelle has got in front of him, uh, you know, and I do think that Henderson uh, you know, could definitely leave the door open for him to to do some more work. But I think Henderson's probably the, still going to be the guy that at the end of the year uh, you would feel better if you took him over Michelle rather than Michelle over Henderson. But uh, either way, you know, it, it, it's I anytime I couldn't get Henderson, I was I was interested in getting Michelle. So uh, you know, I, I just want in on that backfield one way or another, and. Uh, Nothing really else to push other than, uh, you know, this is this has been a great episode. I really enjoyed having Matt on here. It was every bit as good as I thought it was going to be. And, uh, you know, just excited to be able to compete against these guys. Uh, you know, we have uh, Matt and I are, I know, in at least one league together. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's uh, in first place. <laughs> and Matt is hot on my heels so uh yeah that's that that could change very very easily so um we we've both got really good teams so that, that should be a nice dog fight going on there and uh you know theo i got some teams that you you and i are together on and some some places where we compete against each other and same thing with jde and uh it's just a fun time of year so uh make sure you're checking out the goat district every week we're going to keep bringing on great guys like matt and uh, just check out what we got to, to offer. As we go through the year, we're going to help you find a way to win that week one way or another.
That is correct, guys. And like I said, Theo, Dan, Matt, make sure you're following these guys and keep an eye out. We're going to be dropping uh, something different this uh, this season uh, with regards to injuries. So we we maybe s got it a little late this week with regards to being able to drop it for you. What we're going to do is drop uh, Mr. Dr. Kyle from the Dynasty War Zone. He's going to be dropping some injury updates on the Goat District channel. So make sure you stay tuned for that. We'll be dropping those and we'll drop one very shortly for week one. Uh, guys, smash the like, smash the subscribe. We say it often, just that's that's the way you can help us out. Make sure you check out our partners, myffpc.com. That's where we, we play all the goodness. That's where you win six digits of goodness uh, playing fantasy football. And um, Viridian Global, where you get all your Goat gear, all your fantasy football gear, whether it's t-shirts, hats, hoodies, uh, any, you know, a ton of fun, a lot of good gear there, comfort um, and variety. And guys, get that that week two W. You know what I mean? Maybe maybe you flopped on week one. Like we talked about, it's not over. Uh, kind of like, you know, after we drop a, a huge intro, the show's not over, baby. We got a lot more to offer. Uh, we think we, we filled a lot of goodness for you guys and got you ready for week one. Join us again next week and stay on this channel for uh, a lot more goodness to come, guys. And uh, like we tell you uh, on the weeks, we'll check you all later. Go district, you know the Pope listens. Dynasty, our religion for the blokes missing on all of these trades, on all of these plays, on all of these grades. By the end of the day, y'all getting played. So. What you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex? Send the homie a text? That trash offers the best? You try to make it complex? Then they text you back, now all of a sudden they don't make any sense? <laughs> Broaden your horizons, boy. Dynasty's not for the Simons, boy. These trades not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This my advice, from me to you. Open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up G-O-A-T District, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do. It's the... And I always be traded. And I always be traded. And I always be traded. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them.